are here for a reason. This, 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 this news just in. We are your news now. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason. Good day, everyone. Welcome to Right On Radio. My name is Jeff, and this is the Sunday Bible Reading Show. And we've got a really interesting chapter today. And if you've pre-read it, we're doing First Timothy chapter five, and you know, some of you might think, well, yeah. In fact, this is one of those chapters that a lot of people will skip by because it seems to be instructions, and we don't like being told what to do. And it's really kind of aimed at a pastoral type person. But we're not going to look at this chapter in a traditional sense. In fact, I'm probably going to give just a lot of commentary on it rather than breaking it down verse by verse, although we will do that as well. But I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. And, you know, just like the last chapter, I'm going to be looking at this in the framework of not what Paul is saying to Timothy, but what God is saying to you and I. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what a glorious day you've given. Lord, I pray that it's as beautiful everywhere uh, that people are listening from as it is right here where I am. Hallelujah, Lord. We waited a long time for this beautiful weather, and we give you praise. Your whole creation is singing to you today and your majesty. You can just see it, Lord. What a sense of beauty that it is out there, Lord. I'm astonished by how good your creation is and how much better it's going to be, Lord, not only when you bring your kingdom down to earth, but Lord, beyond that, we cannot even imagine what you have in store for your children who belong in your kingdom. And Lord, as we go through your word today, I do ask for your favor. I give the Holy Spirit permission to speak through me, Lord, and I do want to look at it. It is my desire, Lord, and your will be done, of course, but it is my desire, Lord, that we get out of this what you have for us, Lord. And I just know you're a good God and you will fulfill that prayer. We give you glory and honor, Lord. Bless this reading and bless every single person who hears this and is in this community alongside of us, uh, inside of your kingdom, Lord, on the narrow path, because narrow path is the way we want to be. Wide is the gate to destruction. And Lord, I thank you that you have us on that narrow path and you've been teaching us through many, many ways and bringing us gracefully more and more into your will. And I pray that for each and every person here, 
Lord, that through by your Holy Spirit and by your word, that every person will become more in line with your will. Hallelujah, Father. Bless the reading of your word today. Amen. Uh, before we get into the word, I've got a musical piece that I want to play to you today. And um, it's kind of an instructional <laughs> worship song. Uh, it's really a prayer, and it's by one of my favorite Christian artists. And if you're listening, you're going to be able to hear everything perfectly, obviously. But if you're watching, uh, this is Rich Mullins' Step by Step. And quite honestly, I'm going to include his uh, commentary before the song. I was really moved by it when I was listening this morning. And I think that you'll be blessed. And I just want to send this out particularly to the people who join our uh, Narrow Path Prayer Ministries, you know, every Wednesday at 7.30 and uh, 8 p.m. Saturday night. And it has been just an honor and a privilege to be beside such great people of God with purpose in God and are doing what we're called to do, and that's to pray, which isn't always an easy thing to do, and that's why many people don't do it uh, as often as they should or in corporate settings. But I want you to be inspired by this particular message. If you want to skip forward from this point, it's about six and a half minutes in total, but I'm going to suggest to you this is entirely worth it and you will be blessed by this as I was. I, I say that with the utmost confidence. So I'm going to just play this testimony and the song and I'll see you back here in about six and a half minutes. Well, this is uh, yet another prayer song, and sometimes I, I find it hard to pray, and maybe that's why I've written so many prayer songs, is because it's easier if you sing sometimes, and uh, God may find it more entertaining than if you just say it, too, who knows? Except that I'm just not really all that sure that God is all that concerned about being entertained. I'm not sure except what that's just a, a human thing. Sometimes, you know, you try to pray, you try to impress God with all the right words. and I just don't think it's an easy thing to impress God Almighty, if you know what I mean is. And here's the thing that I think we often forget is that we don't have to impress him. He's already knocked out about you. He already loves you more than you can imagine. I remember reading a thing that Picasso once said. I, I like to read what famous artists have to say because I can barely, I'm barely able to look at their paintings without... <laughs> going into a coma trying to figure out what it's about. 
But he said this one thing that I really did like. He said uh, that uh, good taste was the enemy of great art, which I think is very, very true. Good taste has all to do with being cultured and being refined. And if art has to do with anything, it has to be, do with being human. And one of the reasons I love the Bible is because the, the humans in the Bible are not very refined. They're uh, pretty goofy if you want to know the whole truth about it. I remember when I was a kid and people would always say, uh, you know, because I was one of those typical depressed adolescent types. I wrote poetry and stuff. It's how morose I was as a kid. And people would go around saying, oh, cheer up, man, because God loves you. And I'd always say, big deal. God loves everybody. That don't make me special. That just proves that God ain't got no taste. And I don't think he does. Thank God. Because God takes the junk of our lives. And he makes the greatest art in the world out of it. And if he was cultured, if he was as civilized as most Christian people wish he was, he would be useless to Christianity. God is a wild man. And uh, I hope that uh, the course of your life you encounter him. But let me warn you, you need to hang on for dear life. Or let go for dear life. Maybe it's better. And uh, this is a prayer for you and you're welcome to sing it along with us. Sometimes the night was beautiful Sometimes the sky was so far away Sometimes it seemed to stoop so close You could touch it but your heart would break Sometimes the morning came too soon Sometimes the day could be so hot Oh God, you are my God. 
praise you. Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you, and I'll seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways, and step by step to lead me, and I will follow you all of my days, and I will follow you. All of my wow. I just love that song. You know, I, I couldn't help but think as that we were listening to it that, you know, I do these rock lyrics reveals shows from time to time, and I got a whole bunch I want to do, but, man, I'd just love to take the lyrics of that song. Wow. Wow. Uh, I'm moved by that, folks. I cannot help it. The lyrics are so profound and so deep. And his intro was as well. We can't impress God. He's already over the top in love with you. Be loved, dear one. So as I mentioned before, uh, this is a chapter that a lot of people would pass up. But I'm here to serve you, and rather than you having to read it, I will read it for you. And I suggest that God is going to speak to us in this. And I say that with the pretext of I've always looked at the Word of God since you know, creating this uh, right on radio community or the Lord used me to do it. And I love, I love the name right on radio because it doesn't sound religious at all because I'm not religious and neither should you be. And it enables us to reach a little bit of a wider audience and pull some people in. But the Lord when I look at the books we've studied and the orders that I really honestly have prayed and felt guided by every single book that we have done. And obviously started out with the book of revelation and that's just, you know, to know what's to come. But then we went immediately to acts and that was our longest study. And the book of acts is the formation of the church. And, the Bible teaches us how we should be doing church. And modern day, quite honestly, when I look around, um, we don't have, the majority of churches, I don't think, have it right. I'm not saying they're completely wrong in the way they do it, but it's become organized. There's boards of directors and 
pastors are voted in and you know it, it takes god out of the process and if you if they have these uh and there's a purpose for having a you know the charitable status i get it but it actually puts the government in charge of the church and what we're going to see here is paul saying don't let the government take charge I bet you no one else is going to see that in this chapter, but you will after we read this. And when you look, he's the Lord's been bringing us through, and in and, and every book it's warning about the apostasy, the deception. And next chapter, by the way, next, next chapter six is really going to speak to that. I, I can't wait to get to it because it's very clear. Uh, Paul is so gifted with precise wording. But as we read this, remember, this is not, this is Paul giving instruction to Timothy, of course. But God wrote this book for you. And I want you to ask God, what are you telling me, God? And trust the Holy Spirit. Just pray that now. Lord, what do you have in this chapter for me that I may have missed or passed by? The Holy Spirit is faithful and true to glorify Jesus through his word. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives us interpretation. The world cannot understand God's word. You can't without the Holy Spirit. So just say that quick prayer and trust that the Holy Spirit is faithful and true to the promises of God because he is God. First Timothy chapter five. And by the way, welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, everyone. Great to see you all in the chat. And I was reminded this morning by Chris, if he's listening, that I'm going to try to keep an eye on the chat. But sometimes I just don't want to be too distracted. But I will look at it. And if there's questions, uh, put if it's a question, put it in all caps. And I'll try to get to it before the end of this uh, particular session. Oh, one last thing. I'm sorry to delay the word of God. <laughs> but I don't want to forget this. Last week, I was so up on celebrating our 500th episode, and if you look at the episode number of this, it's less than 500. Um, folks, when I was setting up the show, <laughs> it's embarrassing, but I wasn't wearing my glasses, and I guess EP 459 looked like 499, <laughs> because I look at the last number and then I assign the next number. Um, my mistake. So I'm going to go back and correct uh, those episode numbers and carry on. So <laughs> what can I say? I'm human. I'm flawed. God still loves me. And I hope you have some care for me as well. God bless the reading here. Word. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. 
Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family, and so repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and ask for God's help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow may be put out on the list of widows unless she is over 60 and has been faithful to her husband and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up of children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list, for when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus they bring judgment on themselves because they have broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have, in fact, already turned away to follow Satan. If any woman who is a believer has widows in her care, she should continue to help them and not let the church be burdened with them, so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading in the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove before everybody, so that the others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others, keeping yourself pure. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. The sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them, 
In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden forever. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So it, this sounds pretty straightforward, and it is. You got to remember, Timothy was a younger man, assumably, you know, because Paul always called him my son and things like that. So you assume there's that age differential between them. So Timothy having charge at the time had to deal with elder men. And there is a societal norm that I believe God has in place. And that is we are to respect our elders, not just the elders in the church, which he's talking about here, but just our elderly generation. So many people in today's selfish, rushed society disregard really, you know, Kids are the most vulnerable, but our senior citizens, it's they kind of get put into that same place again and they become very vulnerable. Uh, there's so many people trying to take advantage of elders these days. It's sickening what's happening in society. But we are to hold them on high and we're to honor them as if they were our fathers. And we're to treat younger men as brothers, of course. And this is for in the church, of course, but I think it is a rule for society as well. It's just God's proper order. It makes sense to me. And we are to treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And I think that's really a caution to men to treat our sisters. You know, how many people go into church these days? And listen, I, I was guilty of this. I, When I was attending church, I was at one point, I was looking for a wife. I was praying for a wife and I wanted to find a wife in church, which I did. However, it we have to look for the men out there and for the women as well. If you're single and you're going to the church with that in mind, you must look at the others with purity, not with a lustful eye, not, not being open to deception. And it says, give proper recognition to those win widows who are really in need. And I think this is really a theme here that I want to convey to you if, as you go through this. In those days and, and even today, an elderly woman who has been widowed, and particularly, you know, when we look at our older generation now, because our older generation, I'm talking women in their 80s or, you know, somewhere in that in particular, where they grew up in the, the, and the man 
was the breadwinner and the, the woman would stay home and raise a family. And what a beautiful time. I grew up in a home like that. And having a stay-at-home mom was the best thing ever. You know, and... But then if, you know, my, my mother died 11 years ago now, but if she had surpassed my father... My mother didn't have a lot of work experience. She didn't have a great resume. She didn't have all these. She was a stay-at-home mom. So it would be very difficult for a woman to go and provide for herself. A man, I think it's a little bit easier, even one of an elderly age. But charity should come from the church. It should not come from government. The church should be taking care of people. This is God's order. Why doesn't the church do it? Because the government's doing it. We don't need to. We can hold on to our money. We can do an expansion project. We can do a, a, a church expansion drive and collect more money and stuff like that. Because that's what's important, the building. I'm being facetious, of course. Charity should come from within the church. And when you do support, when you see that need and you go to that need, God pays for what he orders but sometimes you need to step out in faith. The chapter goes on to say that, you know, there's those who are really in need and there's those who are not really in need, even if they're widows. And there are those who are out, you know, shopping for a husband and probably going from house to house and partying, gossiping. We, the church, our charitable sense should not be supporting that because we're encouraging a, not a godly lifestyle. It's like, you know, you might see someone on the street and have compassion on them and they might legitimately be starving and you give them money and they go and buy food. That's a good thing. Or you bring them food. That's a good thing. But if you give them money and they go into the liquor store, are you helping them? Maybe, maybe not. And it says that we need to take care of our own households. We are ordered, if you are able, we need to take care of our own first. And it says, for this is pleasing to God. How many of us do not take care of our mothers and fathers? I'm not being an accuser. I'm asking a question. And I'm not putting myself on a high pulpit here because I could do a much better job with my dad than I have. But I'm doing my best to take care of him. There's some distance right now between us but in my household we also have a uh, a 95 year old my mother-in-law lives with us 
And when I married my wife, uh, that was part of the deal that we took her in. And I made that commitment to my fiance at the time that I would honor her mother and we will have her mother until she's no longer with us. We're not going to put her out to pasture. But it's too easy just to put someone in a home. And by the way, sometimes it's necessary. I get it. Sometimes it's too overwhelming. And these days, you know, both people in the house most often have to work just to survive. Society has been designed that way to dismantle the family and to dismantle God's nuclear family. It's been an attack on the family, and we've let it happen. Because even the best of us, even the best of us, we've fallen into the worldly comforts. We've fallen into the things that this world has to offer us. I certainly have. And I'm working my way to get away from that and to go back to the simple things in life, the simple pleasures. And we've had a interesting chat this weekend. And I, I'm just going to make a shout out uh, to Eve who's one of the admins and just someone who's been with the show for the longest time, like from the beginning. And it's been so helpful to me personally and helpful to the show. Uh, But, you know, her and her family have been doing a lot of camping and I've been doing a lot of camping as of late. And, you know, I used to, when I was employed i used we used to do fancy i'm talking fancy vacations folks um you know five-star resorts and and they're wonderful make no mistake they're wonderful but it's not better than camping (laughs) there's a there's just a, a peacefulness about being out there in god's creation you know, when I go camping, we're not in a row where you're just in a, like a tent city or anything. We usually get a spot where it's somewhat secluded and you don't really see the campsite next to you. And, you know, we're blessed here in uh, in Canada with the parks are designed that way. And you really have your own little slice of land. But, uh, you know, Eve, we've just, she's been a real blessing in the show. There's been a couple and... And actually, I want to give one other shout out. There's a, I consider a lot of the admins uh, on Telegram and and even here, and certainly Misty River has been a big part of this ministry. But there's one person that uh, only a few people know about that has really been an elder in this uh, whole Right On Radio community. And I treat this person with the utmost respect. I care for this person's family deeply. We've never met in person. We will soon. But there are people behind the scenes, and this particular person does not want their name out there. 
And uh, if, if you've noticed for the last month or so, um, maybe I've been a little bit off. It's because this particular elder has been unavailable to me. And there has been a real void in my life and in the show because of it. But the good news is this person is coming back. <laughs> Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. So I don't want to get into the weeds about all these things because, again, this is more pastoral instruction. But there's one other point I want to really make about what he's talking about, who we should support, who we shouldn't, what they should be doing, what they should not be doing. It's God is teaching us about how to be charitable in one sense is the main point. But the other point is this is God's instruction to pastors as well. And if you're attending a bricks and mortar church, are they acting according to God's instruction. Do Does your church uphold 1 Timothy chapter 5? Verse 7, give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. If someone is a pastor of the church, are the members of the congregation part of his household? That's a question. Not a statement. It's a question. What's God saying to you? <clears throat> Verse 9 is very interesting as an instruction to a pastor. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60 and has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, and helping those in trouble, devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. Wow, and I asked the Lord, why did you say that? The answer to this, I actually believe, comes later in the chapter. And I'm just going to skip down to the very ending. And let's just see if it ties in. Verse 22. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. In other words, don't bring someone up very easily. You must know them. Because there will be people 
and I really think this is what God is saying here. Uh, This is Jeff speaking. Maybe the Holy Spirit inspired, but I'll let you decide. But before you commit to, you know, I'm going to support you and I'm going to keep you, I think there has to be relationship because someone could just come in and take advantage and have no real intent. They can put on an act because they're in need. But you do not want to partake in the sins of others. And in the, in verse 22, he's really talking about bringing people into eldership and stuff in the church. Don't be hasty in it. You know how, man, I, I give an example of we had a, a church that brought in another two churches joined and it was done fairly quickly. And both pastors were good guys, but man, it caused a major split and it was painful beyond belief because it was hasty. And if you commit to doing something, you need to follow through on it. And in fact, even earlier in this chapter, um, what's her, the widow gives pleasure, you want to give these people instructions. Where does it say it earlier? Um, Oh yeah, sorry. As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list for when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. That's their dedication to Christ. So they're they're not going to live in a particular way. And uh, and God and Paul actually rebukes ones who have committed to God. They say, I'm going to commit to God. I want this charity. I want this help. But then they go off on their way. And it's and Paul actually rebukes it. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work is preaching and teaching. For scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out in the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Now, this is very interesting to me because how does the church become the charitable foundation for the community? instead of the government. You don't want the government to be God. You want the church to be, you know, acting upon, you know, the faith in God and God's provision. And obviously the church needs people to sow into the church so that they are able to do that. And no matter what church you go to, And again, you know, some churches, you see pastors becoming very, very rich. And some of them write many books and everything. And let's say they earn their own wage outside of just getting the charitable donations. That's fair. That's fair. There's nothing wrong with that. But in a church setting, if the pastor of the church is receiving accommodation through donations. You should understand that you're not hiring a pastor. If you're 
thinking you're hiring a pastor and you're paying him or him to preach, you're not looking at it through God's eyes. You're not hiring a shepherd. You're not hiring. You should not be. The way church has been doing it has been wrong. Instead, by that church pastor taking provision, it's providing that person the ability to focus. It's to free up their time so they can focus on shepherding the flock. Do you understand the difference between that and hiring a pastor? You're freeing that person up so they can serve. You're not paying them to do a job. Paul was probably the greatest example because Paul, you know, would not take money. He would take money sometimes, you know, but from some areas he refused to take it because he wanted to, uh, and he built it, he built tents. He made a living outside of just donations. You know, Paul was an upstanding, and I think it's a combination. If you were able to do multiple things, it's a good thing because also in the marketplace, when Paul is building tents, he has commercial clients. And do they hear the word of God from him? Yes. It was part of his ministry. Then it just goes on to say, do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. How easy is it for someone to just accuse these days? How many false accusations are there? So you have to, it has to be balanced and there's a proper way to do things. And if that person is properly accused, they should be reproved publicly. And there is a proper process. We'll do that at a later date. Uh, verse 23, a lot of people may be hung up on this. Um, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because your stomach and your frequent illness. So Paul is not commanding Timothy to drink wine. Okay, folks. And God is not commanding you to drink wine. And, you know, going back and listening to some church historians and things like that, and it's really obvious what is happening here. Back in the days when these words were written, there was no water purification systems. People weren't even boiling water and stuff at that time. They didn't know about bacteria. They didn't know about these different things. And people would drink wine because of that fermentation process would actually help purify the water. And it was actually healthy. People were getting sick from drinking water. So Paul is telling Timothy, listen, I want you to be at your best. Take some wine, some. Obviously, he's not instructing him to be drink. 
because your stomach and your frequent illness. So to keep strong, he's advising him to drink wine instead of just the water. And I'll just finish it up here. Um, the sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them, and the sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and those are not obvious, cannot remain hidden forever. So, you know, some sins are obvious in your life, and and I would say I, most people have some hidden sin as well. But it will come into the light eventually. And your some of your good deeds are obvious, and some of your good deeds are hidden. But eventually, they will be shown in the light as well. Because God sees all of these things. Be encouraged, my brothers and sisters. I hope you didn't mind this format. Um, I didn't feel it necessary to break down every single scripture here. But again, what is God saying to us? And I think God is preparing us to do church properly. I really believe, and I'm going to go out on a limb here, because I'm kind of put in charge of this thing called Right on Radio, I believe God gives me a little bit of extra, and he, and he gives me some vision. And I've always had been a person of vision. I've always been one who looks many steps ahead in just about everything I do. It's a natural thing that God has developed in me. And I see God's hand working and trying to bring the disciples of Christ back into order, into God's order. And God is very specific how he likes to be worshipped, how he likes to be praised, and how he wants us to function as his body. He doesn't want a dismembered body. God doesn't want, you know, uh, if you break a bone and, and it's not healed properly, it could be out of joint and it could be, you know, not functional. So God wants us to heal properly and to be formed back into that part of the body that is following God's instruction. And I believe that is what God is saying to us on this day. I'm just going to pray. And then if you, I want to pray for you and me. And then I'm just going to look at chat real quick to see if there's any questions or anything that I need to address before we go on. I don't look at chat too often because I don't want to get distracted too much. But Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks that you not, you not only gave us your instruction book, but you 
have taught us about humanity through it, not just all the things of good and not just uh, your rules and regulations because you are a God of grace upon our life and all of our sin is covered if we accept the salvation of Jesus Christ. But Lord, you used humans in this and you have shown that everyone, everyone in the book other than the one who was God who came in the flesh, every single person that you used was flawed and flawed badly, just like we are. And Lord, you through your word and through that encouragement, you've let us know that no matter what we've done in our past, no matter what our history is, there is redemption and things can be turned around. And Lord, change in our lives and the way we think is not always easy from a human perspective. But we have faith in the Almighty God, the one, our Creator, the one who holds our DNA and every cell in our body together, the one who gives us life. And Lord, your word tells us that if we just simply choose you, and even though something in our life may seem extremely difficult in the flesh, we can will to do that, and you will be yoked to us. Jesus, you say we can take your yoke. And to me, I get a visual, Lord, that you walk beside me and you put your arm around me. And you say, come, brother. And a good teacher and a good God would not ask us to do anything that you would not do. And you've given us an example of everything that we are to do, including laying our life down if called upon to do so. Lord, give us strength, give us wisdom. Give healing in our midst, Lord. Give us strength. I pray against illness. Lord, I ask Jesus that you take away illness from anyone who is with infirmity on this day. Lord, and even if people are not in the ministry, I pray you work on their provision and they know that even though they may have a job or they may have a pension or something, this government, that Lord, it is your provision, not from the government, not from the employer. Lord, I pray you make that a reality. And Lord, you are not bound by a specific wage. There's many, many other ways, Lord, that you can give increase. And Lord, there's many ways that we can have increase in our lives by being proper stewards of what you've already given us. And Lord, I pray that everyone in this community considers those things. Hallelujah, Lord. We love and honor you. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, we do pray for justice on this earth. We pray for 
a great time that we can go and really preach your word, Lord. I pray personally for more time to preach your word and to bring people into the kingdom. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. All right, just going to briefly look at the chat before we close out here. I'm just scrolling through. I, by the way, after I get off air, I read all the chat. Um, but I'm just looking for anything with all capitals right now. And I'm not seeing anything in all caps, so no questions or anything like that. No rebukes. <laughs> rebukes you could put in all caps as well. That would be appropriate. Uh, God bless each and every one of you. And uh, I really do have love for everyone in this community. I really do pray for you. And and the, the narrow path prayer ministry people pray for you as well. Remember to love your God first. And to love your family, and as according to Timothy 5, that means we need to support them. And by the way, you can support me too. There's links in the description. I have to ask, folks. If you don't ask, you don't get. And uh, if you want to keep my time free to keep doing this, consider supporting the show if you haven't already. Love your neighbor as yourself and make a difference in your right on radio community. We'll see everyone on Tuesday. Shalom.